This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Put my name up in the line. Legends are made in the biggest of moments. Kings are crowned in the ultimate accomplishments. And I got some crow to eat because I could not have been more wrong about the AFC Championship game. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And I can assure you of one thing. No matter how much praise today we are giving Patrick Mahomes HD, Ah, it's not enough. My guy came out there and just <laughs> reminded everybody he's Patrick Dan Mahomes and did that thing, and the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes hit everybody with the ha-ha, how quickly you all forgot who I tr- <laughs> truly am. And he showed up and showed out, man. It's, it's what you want from your leader. It's what you want from your superstar player. There's a w- reason why Drake was saying his song, Patrick Mahomes money, but I'm short a cup of hundred. That mean that boy got five hundred million, half of a bill, and rightfully so. Because what we witnessed yesterday, what transpired on that football field in Arrowhead Stadium, <clears throat> notice I said Arrowhead Stadium. It wasn't Burrowhead, it was Arrowhead Stadium. Patrick Mahomes was phenomenal. And I will say this if it wasn't for that fumble that he had, in my eyes, he would have played a perfect game. A perfect game, Fitz. But it was a it was a thing of beauty to be able to witness uh, his greatness, especially coming into this game with the high ankle sprain that seemed to not bother him as much as we thought it was going into this game. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of times where you saw him hobble on it a little bit, but for the most part, they had a game plan, and that game plan was keep Mahomes in the pocket, not roll him out, not put him as risk at risk at much as much, and that game plan, Harry, worked perfectly. It really, one of the things I've heard a lot of people say today already is, well, I'm just really surprised that the Bengals didn't try and get to him more. Uh, They tried. They tried. They just didn't. Like, I I can try and dunk. It doesn't mean that I can dunk on a five-foot rim. Like, the (laughs) Bengals were trying to get after him. They just couldn't. Mahomes had time. He made the best of the time that he had. He made all the right decisions. You're right. It was an almost flawless game. And it really stood out as a reminder of the the two things that make, in my mind, Patrick Mahomes so stinking good. Number one, he can make any play in any moment, and he can make you say, holy cow, I can't believe that just happened. But also... When you ask him just to be a great quarterback that's just making the play that's there to be made, he does that too. Like it's it's not just that he's this flashy rock star of a quarterback, it's also that he's fundamentally one of the best in the game and you saw it throughout the course of that game, especially given how many injuries there were. Wide receiver didn't slow him down. Like Mahomes was in control the entire time. He was, and it was a thing of beauty to see. And he did a great job of not forcing the issue. Some of the things that he had did fits previously uh, playing the Cincinnati Bengals in a Luana Rumo type defense, right? He didn't force anything last night. He was patient. He took what the defense gave him. And it was just so beneficial for this football team. And you brought up that, that offensive line. I got to give a shout out, and I want to name them all by name because, see, big guys need loving too, man. Oh, we can't oh. just discredit the big guys. Oh, when these oh. receivers make all these flashy plays, we give them love. So let's give the big guys some love. Orlando Brown Jr., shout out to you, left tackle, my man. Left guard, Joe Thune, Adam Baby, Creed Humphrey, I see you, boss. Trey Smith, keep balling. Andrew Wiley. Keep wilding, my man. So I got to give a shout out to all the big guys because Patrick Mahomes was able to do some of the things he he was able to do last night because that offensive line 
allowed him to, gave him time to do so, to be great, to be the guy that we are accustomed to seeing for so long? I think when you talk about sort of this game and we're going to get into a lot. We got we got to break down the AFC Championship game. Obviously, we'll break down the NFC Championship game. We'll give you some of the nuggets that really stand out that we think are going to matter not just for this game but for the Super Bowl. There's a lot to look at for these teams. But there was so much attention on some of what what I thought, you know, would be possible deficiencies for uh, the Chiefs and they had none in this game, you know, and and we talk about Mahomes and his ability to be protected, Mahomes and his ability to run a couple of times that were key when he needed to, Mahomes' ability to throw to everybody even when he was being asked to throw to guys like Sky Moore that are barely in the NFL. I think it really speaks to the understanding the entire team has to something you mentioned to me a lot when we're watching games, which is the very simple principle of do your damn job. Like It felt like everybody just did the job that was in front of them, and because everybody was capable of doing that at such a high level, they were never in the wrong position. This was about efficiency as much as anything to me. I think across the board, offensively and defensively and special teams. You talk about a complete game. We've seen that from the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday. Think about their secondary, right? Legereus Sneed goes down. Their top guy who's accustomed to playing in the slot versus, you know, team's best player when they're lined up in there. He goes down, but you have those those youngsters in the secondary and Williams and McDuffie and Cook, those guys making play after play and meaningful plays that help propel them to a victory. But you see wide receivers go down. But uh, Marquez Valdez scantly stepped up in a huge way. Isaiah Pacheco and his tough nose running and ability to catch the football out of the backfield. He had five catches for 59 yards yesterday. Everyone stepped up and did their job. Like coaches always say, what's your role? Define it and know your role and be the best at your role within that game or within that season. That's what the Kansas City Chiefs did yesterday. Shout out to Andy Reid. Well, and so often I think that we, everybody sitting in front of microphones, make big deals about little things, right? So as much as we were talking about the smack talk, I don't know. Like my mind always says, ah, it doesn't make a big difference. Well, Immediately, I was reminded it does. This is Travis Kelsey after the game with Tracy Wolfson on CBS. I think we've all heard this, but you got to hear it again. I want to thank God, man. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Burrow hit my ass! Woo! It's my home's house. (laughs) It's my home's house. Burrow had my ass. I mean... I, I love it. I love it, man. That's a part of the game, Fitz. I love it 1,000%. One, one, this is what sports is about. You know, you have the smack talking between these two teams. One team who happens to be the home team who hasn't beaten, you know, Joe Burrow, his quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, yet goes out and do it in the AFC Championship and, and earns a bid to the Super Bowl. Those players remember everything. You think Chris Jones was out there balling just for the sake of balling? No. You do it for pride, you do it for your team, you do it to advance, but also he heard all that noise, and he didn't like the disrespect as well. Yeah, and I always think that disrespect thing is going to be overblown until you actually see uh, what it meant to everybody. And, you know, it, it, across the leg, across the leg, good the word legs in front of me, good, good that I can do my job. Across the board, everybody's praising Patrick Mahomes right now, uh, including but not limited to Andy Reid, the head coach, who uh, had plenty, obviously, to say about Mahomes and why he's the MVP. Our guys did a great job of not going that direction. I, you know, the, their mayor, their mayor said it all, and uh, you know, so I'm glad our mayor just did what he did. And I, yeah, some people heard it. I mean, ooh, so obviously, ooh, see, yeah. that, that that's what did it right there, though. 
that that was the over the top. The okay, it's too much now. When the mayor got involved, they took that to heart, man. Because now it's a different element to it when you when you bring the mayor into it, talking about a city and a team. It's a different ball game then. And now Patrick Mahomes is the only quarterback in NFL history to win multiple playoff games in four straight seasons. Think about that. The only ever to win multiple playoff games in four straight seasons. So uh, he has now three career lead-changing drives in his playoff career that began in the final minute of regulation. No other quarterback has more than one of those drives in history. You start thinking about historic things that we have seen and are continuing to see from Patrick Mahomes. It is absolutely incredible. He was under duress 37% of his dropbacks. In that process, he was 9 of 13 for 108 yards. I mean, you talk about efficiency and masterful performances under the microscope. Mahomes right now is doing it in ways nobody else can. For me, though, Fitz, it, it was the first drive of the game, a third and five. He throws a perfect pass to Kadarius Tony, who ended up dropping it. It was a fourth and one for me, that connection to Travis Kelsey, because those guys have that rapport and understand one another. It's a third and five after the Bengals tied the game up 13-13, where he found uh, Miko Hartman for a first down on that same exact drive, a third and seven. Understanding where the blitz is coming from, getting the ball to Valdez Scantley quickly, Fitz. It, it's the 19-yard touchdown through on that same drive. It's it's the it's the it's the third and four at the end of the game, and you see the competitor and Patrick Mahomes comes out and he goes and get that first down on top of a personal foul penalty, so Harrison Buckner can kick the field goal to win the game. All those plays, it's because Patrick Mahomes is great, great. Well, and I was really hard last week on the fourth quarter performances of Mahomes versus Burrow in these particular matchups. I do want to stress here, under pressure. Yesterday, in this game, Mahomes, 9-13, 108 yards for one touchdown, sacked three times. Joe Burrow, under pressure, 2 of 8 for 58 yards, no touchdowns, oh my sacked Lord. five times. The key to this game, and I realize it's it's not quarterback versus quarterback. They're not defending each other, but undeniably, these quarterbacks played differently when they were under pressure, and that is absolute fact to this matchup. So, you know, as much as I was hard last week on Mahomes needing to outperform Burrow in moments that mattered, he did absolutely that. He was getting it done, getting done, getting it done. Brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just. Stop by. That's the Chiefs side of it. The Eagles may be a familiar face for Andy Reid, but we'll tell you why this Eagles team is unlike anything the Chiefs have seen all season. We'll do it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is something we all dream about, and we get to do it because, you know, we did it better than anybody else in the NFC this year. My first year here, I mean, they probably didn't even want to draft me here. You know, it's probably one of those things, but it, it always handled itself. Brock Purdy has been taken out of the game. Oh, Josh no. Johnson, the veteran, is in to play quarterback. Hurts again under center. He sneaks, he pushes, and he is in. Touchdown, Jalen Hurts. By the final score, the Eagles 31, the 49ers 7. Attention, air traffic control. A flock of Eagles is heading to Arizona.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. On the call, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Just politely ask them, hey, would you guys mind playing ESPN Radio? Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry! You were so right about the the, the NFC Championship. Like, I, I started the show off by admitting how much crow I have to eat, but at least we anticipated <laughs> a, a close game out of the AFC Championship game. I was right about that. Like, I, I, I didn't look at that and say, holy you-know-what, boy, was I wrong. But, man, it felt like, obviously, the, the 49ers were never going to get on track without their starting quarterback, Brock Purdy, who was injured on the first try, right? So three plays into the game, I guess. Uh, it, it was never going to get on track. But, my God, that was... Was a thorough whooping that the Eagles gave the 49ers. It was. And I think it <clears throat> excuse me, Fitz, it, it all started on that first drive of the game offensively for the Philadelphia Eagles. And two two plays on that drive stood out to me. It was the third and eight situation where, you know, the the 49ers brought some pressure right on Hurts and he bought enough time to throw the ball to AJ Brown and it was a low ball, but AJ Brown made the sure catch and it's not a tough catch. It's actually one of the hardest ones to make that kept that drive going. Then it was that fourth and three, and we see that one-headed catch, no catch. And I keep trying to tell everybody, if in the stats it says it's a catch, it's a catch. Stop telling me what he didn't do. Okay, it's Kyle Shanahan fought that he didn't challenge the play. The refs counted it. It's in the stat sheet. So that catch by Devontae Smith, uh, two plays on that first drive, and it basically just set the tone for the Philadelphia Eagles the rest of the day. It's amazing to me how we got to that. Like, look, there's a lot to break down about what happened with the 49ers, obviously. Uh, and there's a lot to to look at when it comes to the 49ers and the fact that they ended up playing with their fourth-string quarterback for a little, by, little while, and then admittedly they had to bring Brock Purdy back in the game for anyone that didn't see it. And because of the elbow injury suffered, he was incapable of throwing the football. So I don't remember ever seeing a team that was playing in that type of game, in that big a game, the NFC Championship game, and you've got fans you know that paid thousands of dollars to travel across country and get tickets and go into that stadium that realized about a third of the way through they no longer had a quarterback. Like, I've never seen that. For all of the heartbreaking <laughs> losses I've seen as a Raiders fan, I've never seen that where you just look around and you're like, oh, we literally don't have anybody on the field that can throw the football. Yeah, and it really hurt their team overall because they couldn't do a lot of the things that they really actually wanted to do from a standpoint. But not only did you lose one quarterback, you lost the one quarterback you were banking on. Even though he came back, he still wasn't the same. And then Josh Johnson goes out there, he drops back, and then the Dominican Sue hits him so hard that he hits his head on the turf, and now he's in concussion protocol. Now you have to send Brock Purdy back out there, but all he can do is hand the football off and potentially throw screen passes. So they're in a lose-lose, and I really didn't understand that concept from Kyle Shanahan. If he can't throw the football, and you know you got to throw the football and score points and try to come back, can you just put Christian McCaffrey in the game at that point to be the quarterback? Like, especially if, 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 he's, if Brock Purdy's going to come back in the game and he's going to hand the football off 97% of the time, why not just try to put somebody back there that can potentially throw it up? And, you know, the Eagles were playing man coverage at that point and selling out to the run. Give your wide receivers one-on-one an opportunity. Just throw it up and let them try to go catch something. We've got a lot to say about Kyle Shannon over the course of this show. There's no doubt about it. But I do want to give the Eagles love here because the Eagles – reminded us of two things in the in the course of this win. Number one, and, and I think these can be two equally true statements that are both true without taking anything away from anybody. 
Jalen Hurts is spectacular, and this Eagles roster is absolutely spectacular also. Like, I know sometimes the minute we say that one's good, people think that means the other's bad. Uh, This is one of those rare times where I just kept watching the Eagles thinking, man, there is a reason that they are where they are. Uh, Top to bottom, they have so much talent, including but not limited to Jalen Hurts. Like, I don't want to take anything away from Jalen. I also just want to say in the same breath that the entire roster for the Eagles just looked absolutely dominant. That offensive line, dominant. That defensive line, dominant. Those weapons capable of being dominant. Like, it's just, you look at it, it's like, man, if I was playing Madden, I don't know how you beat that crew. And I'll say this. I got to give Howie Roseman a lot of credit, right? That's the general manager for the Philadelphia Eagles and the way he's been able to construct this football team and put it together to the point that where they are a complete team fits. We didn't see the best game from Jalen Hurts yesterday. Right. But this roster is so complete from quarterback, running back, wide receivers, tight ends, O-line to D-line, linebacker, secondary to special teams, kicker. The way it's constructed to the point that where, okay, I can have my MVP Cali quarterback Jalen Hurts go out there and we want him to be great. But if he isn't great, we have enough around him as well. To still make it work. Now it's a different ball game when Jalen Hurts isn't playing, and these guys are out there, and it's a different you know name at the quarterback position because Jalen Hurts in my eyes brings another element. He had those two linebackers Greenlaw and Warner yesterday hesitating because of the threat that he is in the run game, right? So that's what he brings to the to to, to this Philadelphia team, and why it's so difficult to 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 stop them and handle them because he brings another dimension to the game. It's literally eleven eleven football. But this team is is, is is complete. It's as complete as I've seen a team in a while. Also, it's a statement to Jalen Hurts that he cannot be incredible throwing the football, but still be incredible as a quarterback, right? Still like impacting the game too. Right, right. That's just like when you reach a certain level of greatness at that position, it cannot be your best day and it's still better than most. And I, I feel to my core what you're talking about when it comes to the fact that he had to be so respected by the defense for the 49ers, which I thought was going to be a huge difference maker. And really, frankly, it felt like there was times that they were just neutralized because they didn't know what to do or what how to do it. And I made the joke all week last week that, you know, there's a reason they don't call it PO. It's RPO, right? You got to be able to run in that situation. <laughs> but Jalen Hurts is able to make you have to respect everything every time. He drops back. It's really, truly special. And speaking of special, their defense is also special. That's something Rex Ryan, ESPN NFL analyst, commented on on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Man, we still can play defense in this league, and that's why I'm fired up about it. How do you not like like the way Philly played? Everybody said, well, yeah, they're playing against, you know, no quarterback or whatever. Why? Because they knocked out the other two quarterbacks. So <laughs> to me, it's like, are we going to give Philly any credit at all? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love it. Two quarterbacks got the, it, knocked man. the mm out, right, uh, because of that defense. And by the way, you know, I, it was funny because last week, I remember at one point talking, we were talking about the game, and I, I remember saying, hey, it may not even matter because they'll find interesting ways to use Debo and Christian McCaffrey where you don't know if they're catching or you don't know if they're running, you don't know what they're doing. Well, the Eagles knew everything they were trying to do. I, I was so impressed with their ability to neutralize weapons, no matter who the quarterback was, no matter what the situation was. The the Eagles did not let themselves get beat, and that's something in and of itself. Like They ran away with that game. That game wasn't as close as the score, and I know 49ers fans here are always going to say, what if with Brock Purdy, but I'm just saying that was a thorough ass. You know what I'll tell them? 
what if you ask your head coach why in the hell did he leave a backup tight end one-on-one with the guy that had 16 sacks this season? I mean, What if, what if they go ask their, their, their head coach that one? It, it feels like a little bit like we're playing pickup ball and you suddenly tell me that I'm assigned to Perk. That's not going to go exactly. well for me. It's like, you cover Perk. Okay, I'll just go sit on the bench. Like, a tight end on Hassan Riddick, by the way, uh, to use the Harry Douglas, the, the next two weeks, we're going to be putting some respect on that name. I think a lot of people have really slept on Hassan Riddick over the course mm-hmm. of this season. He reminded us all why he cannot be slept on. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance for a job you'll love. Visit Progressive.com slash careers. Now, 49ers, their season is over. That means a large decision looms for them, and one person thinks they should go big game fishing at the quarterback spot. You'll hear it. Plus, how much blame does Kyle Shanahan deserve? That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And your smart speakers, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Now, obviously, we got to watch two incredible football games yesterday. Amazing. We know our Super Bowl matchup at this point. Our Super Bowl matchup is going to give us the Chiefs taking on the Eagles. That also gives us the opportunity for takery all over the place. And that means we can react to it. Time to uh, time to either support some of our peers or throw them under the bus. You know what time it is. Is it a good take? That's good. Great. Or a hot take. How hot? Red hot. Find out now with Fitz and Harry. All right, HD, you ready for this? This is simple. We're going to play some takes from around the network and figure out if it's good. We love that take. Or if it's hot, we think they've maybe lost their minds. You ready for some of this? Let's do it. All right, we start with somebody we know well, Keyshawn Johnson. You hear him every morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. He had this to say about the 49ers and what they should do at quarterback next year. Here's my dream scenario for Johnny Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. There's a guy in South Florida who's 45, 46 years old. Tom Brady's his name. I'm going to have a conversation with him come free agency, and I'm going to say, hey, you get to ride off into the sunset with essentially the same type of team that you had when you left New England and you went to Tampa. All I need you to do is teach Brock Purdy and Trey Lance how to play football. All I need you for is a year. And guess what? You are a little boy. Remember that jersey that you wore Hmm. in Joe Montana? This could be your dream scenario. You buying it? I am. Uh, this this is a good take in my eyes. I can literally see this happening. We got to remember what Tom Brady went into when he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they were able to win a Super Bowl, basically riding that defense throughout the playoffs. So I like this for Tom Brady, and also I think at this point, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, they need a veteran guy that knows what he's doing 100% at the helm. Yeah, I actually think this is a really good take on the 49ers going after Tom Brady. I'm not sure that any of us can know the variable to this, which is, does he want to live on the other side of the country from where his kids are? I mean, obviously going through the divorce, I can't imagine what it would be like if your kids are living in Miami and you decide to play in San Francisco and essentially spend every day away from them for six, seven months. You know, that seems like a lot. That's part that we can't speak to, but I think it's a good take that the 49ers would want to at least take that leap. Let's go to the next take. This comes from Booker McFarlane on NFL Prime Time, which, by the way, you can watch on ESPN Plus. 
if San Francisco didn't have bad luck, they wouldn't have any luck at all. Right. Like, they continue to have injury after injury at the, at the wrong time, at the wrong position. But I'll say this. They had a rookie quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, who took them to the NFC Championship game. The way they fought, how good this defense is. And they're probably going to lose the defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryan. He's going to get a head coaching job. Should. You just wonder how long they can keep this group together and play this style of football because it's tough, it travels, but, man, they get injured at the wrong spots at the wrong time. What do you think? I think that's actually a good take by Bull. You, you do wonder, you know, how much longer can the San Francisco 49ers keep this up, but keep it up and also continue to win. But we've seen the last few years – They've had injuries at the worst times that you could possibly have injuries. So I don't know if that's more so on the training staff and the medical staff. And do those guys need to be better? Or do they need upgrades in those regards? But I like it from both. Yeah, I think it's actually a good take, too. In the sense, in my mind, it's always tough when you part of what makes the 49ers. I can't talk out of both sides of my, my mouth here, right? If I believe that the 49ers are great because they built an entire roster full of great players, eventually every one of those great players is going to need to be paid. So the concept of keeping a great roster together is actually much tougher in my mind than the concept mm-hmm. of keeping a quarterback and continuing to draft well around them. Hopefully they can do that. But what do we see? Like a, a good example is Seattle. You know, for, for years, Seattle was able to hit in the draft, and then they had to turn around and pay all those guys. So I think the concept of keeping them together is difficult, and Bug's right. They just get the worst injuries at the worst time. My heart still breaks for 49ers fans trying to figure out how to compartmentalize what it's like watching an NFC Championship game with no quarterback. All right, (laughs) we know we got takes all the time from Rex Ryan, ESPN NFL analyst. He was on postseason NFL Countdown and gave us a dark horse team he thinks could pursue Tom Brady. This is going to be a crazy one, but I'm telling you, watch the the Washington Commanders in this. Huh? Look, well, because here's why. I know, but here's why. Randy, this is why I say it could happen. There's a strong possibility that there's going to be a change in ownership. All right? And when that happens, these owners aren't tied in to that coach. And, and to me, I can see the Sean Payton Tom Brady, we talk about Miami. <laughs> well, it wasn't just the Miami contact and Brady. It was the Sean Payton. It was going to be that marriage of those two. So I could possibly see that down hey, the road. Hey, I mean- now, I think this is a hot take. I, now, hot take he, alert. If he would have said in t- the, the, the season after this one, um, especially if the commanders didn't have a, a winning season and they didn't make the playoffs again, then I could potentially see it a little bit, but right now, no, I don't see that happening. Yeah, this take is is not only hot. Like this take is so hot, it makes me want to. It makes me realize that I need to party with Rex Ryan, like because obviously he was partying. That's all. Like that's the only thing. I can, <laughs> like the amount of time it would take. Dan Snyder, if he announced today to the world that he was selling the Washington Commanders, well, that would be a whole process, and then a bunch of teams would have to bid on the op- or people would have to bid on the opportunity to buy the franchise. They'd have to sort yeah, through. Yeah, it doesn't work out timing wise. Like, like by the time all that's done, we're almost to next season so what are we hiring Brady and and Peyton like right as the preseason starts I I I love the aggressive logic behind it it's just a wildly hot take uh we got some bonus good take hot take that Devin's gonna play for us yeah yeah first up this uh both of these come from last the Friday show uh, uh, last week uh uh-huh. first up is Jason Fitz making a prediction okay the Cincinnati Bengals are going to their second consecutive Super Bowl why Not only because they do at this point today, right now, in this moment, have the better quarterback, 
but also because they today, right now, in this moment, flat out have the better team. Yes, Chris Jones is an incredible player and can get after the quarterback, but we have seen Joe Burrow get knocked a you-know-what out, get back up, and still throw touchdowns. He can do that again and again. There are too many offensive weapons. There are too many key players on the defensive side of the ball, and the second-half adjustments are substantial. Kansas City might get out to an early lead, and I won't even sweat it. I'll put my feet up, I'll dip my wings again in some tasty blue cheese, and I will sit back and relax, knowing full well that the Bengals are going to come back, the Bengals are going to get the win, the Bengals are going to head to the Super Bowl, and the Chiefs, yet again, will be asking themselves what went wrong this season. <laughs> HD, all I heard there is like, I told you I told you that you know, Chris I'll was going to have a... I'll take, I'll alert. take alert. I told you Chris was going to have a big game. He did. Uh, I told you I was going to eat wings. I did. I told you the Chiefs were going to jump out to an early lead. They did. A lot of good there. A lot of good. Hot take alert. Hot uh, take alert. Hot take alert. Okay. Okay. I'll eat my crow. Are you going to play one from Harry at least? Yeah, we got one from Harry. Okay. And uh, you know, I'll let you decide if it's better or worse than the last one we heard. But this is also what? from Friday. Harry okay. Douglas on okay. the Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles will beat the San Francisco 49ers because their offense is going to be able to control the time of possession. They're going to win third downs. But most importantly... Jalen Hurts is going to play like MVP Jalen Hurts, like we've seen him do all year long. So stamp it, post it, mail it, seal it, deliver it. That's my statement. I mean, that's a wildly hot take. Jalen Hurts was not an MVP player. Hot take alert. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop it. Wild hot take. They control the time of of possession. (laughs) They did everything, but Jalen Hurts wasn't an MVP quarterback. Stop this right now. I don't don't remember hearing that part. All I heard there was I remember me (laughs) saying that Chris Jones was going to have a big game, the Chiefs would jump out to an early lead, and I would have wings and blue cheese. We we went rolling. Every man for themselves. (laughs) (laughs) The breakup of the Beatles is happening right in front of you. We're in save yourself mode. That's that's all I know at this point. All right, that's some good take, hot take. I can eat, I can eat some crow. Hot I, take alert. <laughs> I sat there, I sat there with a buddy last night, and they were like, "Do you care about the outcome of the game?" And I said, "The only thing I care about is the game is coming down to the wires." Like, man, if the Bengals lose this thing, I don't care. I only care that I'm going to receive you know what about it all day tomorrow. So you know what, I got it coming. Someone said though in our pre-show meeting, Kyle Shanahan is overrated. Is that a good take or a hot take? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. They did good things, but we wish we had a little bit better opportunity than we did today. You know, my arm just felt like it stretched out. Um, just felt like really a lot of just shocks all over from my elbow down to my wrist. 40 seconds to play, and they will celebrate now in the streets of Philadelphia. There was an inevitability I accepted coming into today. After watching the 49ers get their asses kicked by the Eagles, I knew that today one of the conversations would be about Kyle Shanahan. I didn't think that we would it, it would start before we even got through our pre-show meeting where all of a sudden somebody came in willy-nilly with a hot take that Kyle Shanahan is overrated. 
It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. And he's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. HD, I think before we start this conversation, it's important that you and I acknowledge to the world how much we love the two guys behind the scenes. Evan, Devin, do great work every single day. We Amazing. can agree on that, right? Like They make the show better. They make the process every day fun. We enjoy coming to work in part, not just because we work together, but because we get to work to, with two great people like Evan and Devin, right? Mm-hmm. So, Evan, you want to give the world your Kyle Shanahan's overrated take now? Because it's awful. I, I say this with, to- with so much love. Well, I'm waiting for Bubba to get out of the studio. Oh, Bubba, Bubba was coming in. Bubba, you know, Bubba. Bubba <laughs> get out of the studio, Bubba. Bubba and no, I'm not to... going to get no meatball sub. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we're in the production meeting, and all of a sudden, Evan says, oh, we're right here, like Kyle, uh, Kyle Shanahan's overrated. Yeah, Overrated in big game. I, I think there is a part of Kyle Shanahan that we've seen in the Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator, in three uh, NFC Championship games, and a Super Bowl where he coaches different in these type of games. He coaches tight. He's late to adjust. He's late to challenge a fourth down that's not a catch that you have to challenge in that situation regardless. I don't know that he's overrated during the regular season, but there's a part of me that feels like Kyle Shanahan tightens up and coaches differently in big spots. Hot take alert. Thank you, thank you, you, Evan. I'll take it from here. You know who else? You know, you know who else uh, tightens up a little bit. Evan walked that take back a little bit in the pre-show meeting. It was just he's overrated. (laughs) Go ahead, AC. No, no, no. But I I would say this: I I agree with a lot of the stuff that that Evan is saying. You look all the way back to the Super Bowl when he was with the Falcons as an offensive coordinator, and you talk about twenty-eight to three. And at that moment, if he would have ran the football just about every play. They had a greater chance to win that football game. But no, uh, times where he should have ran the football, he was passing the football, and it cost the Falcons to the point to where they lost the lead up 25 points and lost that, f- that Super Bowl. You look at the Super Bowl versus the 49ers, right? In the fourth quarter, they were up 20-10. to 10. The last four possessions that happened for San Francisco, punt, punt, turnover on downs, interception. Uh, you look at the NFC Championship game last year. I thought when uh, – I, uh, I think it was when the, the Rams had came back in that one. I thought his play calling with Jimmy Garoppolo got conservative, and rightfully so. But still, man, you got to put the pedal to the metal. Now, we look at the ball game yesterday, and you had multiple – uh, uh, situations that that arose in that ball game where a head coach got to be on his P's and Q's. Number one being you cannot have your backup tight end going against Hassan Reddick, who was one of the top three, top five pass rushers in the National Football League this season. Also, early in that game on that fourth and three call, you did not challenge the Devontae Smith catch. And granted, if I see a wide receiver making a catch or not making a catch and getting up and telling the offense to hurry up, I'm throwing my flag out. Plus, it's fourth down, like me and Evan was talking about before we got on air. It's fourth down. So you have to challenge that because if you win it, you're getting that ball in a place that you probably want that football as an offense. And then the one that really got me was the 11 penalties for 81 yards. His team wasn't the most disciplined team yesterday throughout the throughout all both games yesterday. His team got penalty after penalty and it continued to hurt them in their in their chances trying to get to a Super Bowl. You mentioned the challenge at the press conference. He was asked why he didn't challenge the catch. This is what Coach Shanahan had to say. 
because the replay we saw didn't definitely show that. They actually we saw one up on the scoreboard. I was going to throw one anyways just to hope to take the chances, but they showed one up on the scoreboard um, that didn't have all the angles you guys saw, and that looked like a catch, and so we didn't want to waste the timeout, which we definitely would have if we didn't see that. But then I heard they got a couple other angles, and you guys end up seeing later that it was. You know what, fits for me and – for Kyle Shanahan, and we all know he's he's a he's a smart guy. But you know how sometimes people can be too smart, too smart for their own good at times. Yeah, they can get cute. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan is that guy for me. Sometimes he can be so smart to the point to where it costs his football team. And not challenging that play is is an instance. Having a tight end, you know, against Hassan Reddick, basically disrespecting Hassan Reddick, a backup tight end at that. You're just too smart for your own good. Okay, so you mentioned Hassan Reddick. Again, mm-hmm. I want to give Kyle Shanahan the chance to defend himself. At his press conference, he was asked mm-hmm. why he put a tight end, a backup tight end, on Hassan Reddick. This is his response. It's, it's a tough block, but all play actions are tight ends versus edge rushers. They had us on a number of those today, too. You know, it's... You hope you can step up on it, um, which you usually do in a pocket. It was going. B.A. had beat him. It was going to be a big play. Um, but I didn't see what, what else the pocket was like. No, but here, here's my thing, though. Going into the game, you knew their pass rush was bona fide. They had 70 sacks in a season. It's okay to max protect. You can max protect and make sure everything is secure and send two guys out and then finally leak a tight end to somebody at the end. You know what I mean? There's, there's ways to do it. There's ways to do it because I remember Matt Ryan getting – I think sacked or Jake Matthews getting a holding penalty for some of the same type of situations, right, when he was with the Falcons. So this is a lot of Shanahan conversation pointing to his weaknesses. I don't disagree with any of this, but I completely disagree with the conversation that he's actually overrated. I'll tell you why next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, also on the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 